Welcome to The Difference Engine, the show for founders, funders, and the category curious. Don't confuse size, don't confuse valuation with category leadership. I'm not the only person frustrated by this. You disagree with my analysis. I do. You either acquire or you are acquired. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And it's proof that you're winning the argument. We all know history is written by the winners. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you today? Tip top, tippity top. Well, that's brilliant because today our crystal ball reveals big changes for the BBC. We tell you why marketing is still not category and we'll learn why size really does matter when it comes to building your category team. But first, has Microsoft made the right bet again? So, Paul, it looks like Microsoft may have made the right bet. Well, yeah, middle-aged Microsoft has proven that it can do the do. It has a strategic partnership with Johnny Come Lately and Flavor of the Moment OpenAI, a category leader in generative AI, and an acquisition that it can use to reinvent itself. Clever. It's sort of instructive to note that that Microsoft's own research arm, you know, an organization that is you know, thousands of people in it, many, many times the size of OpenAI, couldn't come anywhere near to producing the strategic opportunity that OpenAI is delivering. You know, whereas the, the OpenAI relationship and investment you know, does offer the potential for future proofing, this is a, a really big strategic move for, from our point of view, I think, because it, it, allow, it could allow for a recategorization of the entire organization. That AI could seep into every segment they're playing in. I also think the genius of this is they were smart enough not to engage when this new LLM category came up. This is a classic build and buy, or in this case, buy, or, or frankly, rather rent, because their chat GPT relationship with OpenAI is actually capped. Well, it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, OpenAI was open source, literally, at one point. It's misnamed because it's actually closed source. And the deal's a very interesting one in terms of how it's structured, etc. But you know, who wants to be a Microsoft shareholder? It's um, it's an interesting ride. These days, the company's flying high. It's had its fair share of missteps. But let's remember, it is a leader in gaming with Xbox. It is a leader in cloud with Azure. And it's still a leader in office productivity with Teams, etc. And it must be tough for the big guys, right? They, As we mentioned, they lead in several categories. And, you know, they are sort of an uber buyer of categories. They see this new category coming up, they want some involvement in it, and they've done something reasonably innovative here, which accelerates them to the front of the house. You're dead right on that. I mean, I guess this is what we know about the deal at the moment. You know, Microsoft's going to receive 75% of the profits and, until OpenAI, if, open AI, until, yeah, if, if it actually profits, yeah. repays the $10 billion. But it's, it's still unclear, I think, to me that if the repayment must originate exclusively from profits, or if profits plus Azure spend count towards the repayment. Well, one would think so, right? I mean, compute power is it's extremely expensive. That's what's driving all the costs in the new category. And if you're somebody that owns a lot of compute, like Microsoft Azure, there's a deal to be done. So we don't know the ins and outs of it, but it just seems like a really nice symbiotic play. And I have to take my hat, so I think it's a, it's a pretty good move. Yeah, it just makes... You know, total sense in this case, you know, to buy and not build. You know, I mean, and ultimately, strategically, you, you just do both. But nobody should let, you know, any lack of pride that they couldn't develop something themselves get in the way of the right decision. And, yeah, for my money, Microsoft made the right decision. There is some benefit to being a, you know, a company of some 
history with some weight with like massive cash flow and having failed at a few things, frankly, you know, miles on the clock, the mobile thing was an absolute disaster, the Nokia move from Microsoft. And so there is an advantage from sitting on the side. It's not the same advantage that you get as a startup. As a startup, when you build a category, you want to change the world, you're betting the whole business, you're burning the boats, etc. But when you're a little bit let's say mature, when you're a bigger business, you do get this optionality. And it is interesting how even the big guys will jump into a category they're convinced is going to be a winner. What they've got here is a key enabling technology for the next chapter in Microsoft's history. Yep. Well done, guys. You've got to learn to earn. How big should category leadership teams be? You know, this is something we get asked a lot. Well, what's the answer? Well, size always matters, but for category, small is beautiful. Let's uh, have a look at who the players might be. In the initial stages, first, you've got to have the CEO on board. You know, that's vital because they're the symbol that the category journey is supported from the top. And they should be prepared to firmly nail their colors to the category pole at all all times right so it all starts with the big boss he or she needs to be very convinced and very convincing to the team that this is the way forward damn right and right behind them you've got to have the cro got to have the cro absolutely it's essential that are engaged from the beginning because they're going to be crucial to delivering the category message both to the customers and the partners and don't forget they might have been extremely successful in a pre-category world hitting their numbers, making their bonuses, looking like rock stars, and now you're asking them to change the game. And the other person that is very closely allied to them that has to be part of that change process, the CPO. You know, the reality is that category is going to shape all product development going forward. And, you know, it's essential that these people are in accord and moving forward together. From the, the CPO or, or, or head of products, that makes a ton of sense if you think about it logically. When we're doing category design, we're trying to fix new problems. New problems need new solutions. New solutions need new code, new code and, and new functionality, which may or may not fit into what's already existed so far. So the product side of things, very important and very inspirational for the rest of the company to see how the category is affecting the way that the company is yeah, developing sure, its innovation. Yeah, for sure. Right? And I think it may be that the CEO is driving things from the top down, but the CPO is going to be driving things from the bottom up, and that's essential. Now, we haven't talked deliberately about the CMO, and we've talked previously about marketing getting confused with category design. Category design is strategic, and the marketing person probably needs to help communicate that. But do they need to be the people at the helm? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. You know, it's essential that the head of marketing is on the initial leadership team because they're going to be integral to all the marketing and communications that's going to help drive the category forward. But, you know, that's the big four you might expect, you know. But there is a fifth key appointment. I sometimes think this is even more important than the, than the big four, and that's the category project manager, you know, because category is a project and it does need managing. 
And certainly for an ambitious completer finisher in any organization, this could be the key to the next stage in their career. Absolutely. And they, they may find this to be a promotion, a role that they hadn't expected to have, a critical role, you know, the linchpin of the, the whole project. It may be that in a previous hierarchical lineup, they weren't really at the top of the tree. But actually, to deliver a ca- the category when everyone else has got, you know, quote, unquote, day jobs to do, they become critical. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the message here is, is, is that's your five. And, you know, really big teams don't work when you're dealing with certainly the early stage of category leadership. We should talk about that because obviously one school of thought is that everybody has an opinion and all opinions are valid. It's just like the school races where all the kids win. But with category, that just doesn't work. No, it absolutely doesn't. But, you know, there is a role for some of the other C-suite um, you know, such as the CFO, chief people officers, and so on. But in the early stages, they need not be utilized. But don't confuse that with not keeping them informed as to developments, because they are going to be crucial in rolling the thing out over time. And we should talk about a um, not so much a role, but a type of personality that is the Z, the Z's. Could you give us a little bit about what is so pernicious about that sort of personality? These are people that disagree. Now, we're not talking about robust, constructive disagreement. You know, you should get an awful lot of that in the early stage of your category process. But eventually, you're going to get everybody aligned. What you need to be looking for, particularly if you're the CEO, is somebody who appears to be agreeing, but actually doesn't. What you don't want is these people popping out later in the process and derailing it. Harboring disagreements till the last minute is absolutely, you know, it's, it's the wrong thing for a category agree. To- totally, you know, get project. any disagreement, any doubt, get it out early. But, you know, this is a leadership issue. The leader of this process, the CEO, has to absolutely make sure everybody understands that honesty is absolutely central to this process. If anybody is harboring doubts, produces them at the last minute when you're ready to burn the boats, they shouldn't be with the organization. But top line here is going forward with category leadership, keep it small, keep it senior, and lead from the top. You know what? This really grinds my gears. So, Jonathan, what's been grinding your gears this week? The idea that category is all about marketing. It's still grinding my gears. It's just this this perennial assumption that category is all about marketing. It's not. You said that last week. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's what perennial means. All right, but what's new? Category design is a strategic initiative. It's not marketing. But it's not sales, it's not engineering, it's not finance, it's not HR, and so on either. It sits across all of them because it's strategic. Yeah, so I think one of the issues we find a lot, uh, I said this uh, previously, is that marketing is where this thing tends to go and die. If it stays at the strategic level with the CEO, things happen and you get the sense that the whole organization is moving towards a new purpose, uh, it's designing its future, and that encompasses, as you say, sales, finance, sales training, sales remuneration, marketing to a certain extent, product design, product roadmap, etc. And so everyone from engineers 
due to salespeople line up and that's when things really start to move. I mean, let's be clear about this. Marketing, just like everything else, is just one route to implementation. Um, and you should never just give it to marketing. Even though it's fair to say that when you are doing things like Strike and you're bringing your category out uh, to play for the first time, you're absolutely going to need the marketing team on board. But it's the tail wagging the dog if marketing is defined in the category. The category is defined by the problem. The problem is something strategic that the company solves, otherwise it's in the commodities game. And so it really needs to stay at that strategic level. And it can be quite hard to to keep that in mind as you get into the project. Yeah, but you know, if you're a CEO, that there is definitely, we've seen it over and over again, this temptation just to, to give it to marketing. So, I mean, why is it that the, the CEOs tend to fall for this idea, oh, just give it to marketing and, you know, get on with running the company? You know, we've done our fair share of marketing. We've got the uh, the scars to prove it. But marketing should serve a purpose, and the purpose is to implement the strategy. Uh, and so what you have, if you hand it over, if you give that hospital pass to the folks in marketing, they tend to be a little kowtowing, a little bit um, you know, looking for more direction. And so that's why the category piece has to stay above what's happening in marketing. Both of us come from a marketing background as well as a strategy background, but we have to be honest here and, and say that you know, often in marketing, you know, you've got a problem because unlike finance, you don't really command the ear of the investor. And that, that's really, really important. You may not be seen as core to the company, you know, unlike the people in engineering or even in sales because they're producing the numbers. And it's also those those disciplines we have noticed that tend to produce the CEOs. So there's often an ignorance about what marketing actually does. A good CMO will lead into a category and will make sure that that category is very well known. Uh, whereas the salespeople, obviously, they're very closely tied to uh, success in terms of this year's sales target. And they tend not to want to do anything that's going to disrupt their possible sales. So for them, there's a an inbuilt issue. And if you look at the product guys, again, you know, there's a roadmap that they're delivering to before the category gets established, and that may need to change. So there may be some resistance there. Finding you know, a really strategic CMO is, is perennially hard. You hear that from the market all the time. And so we're not saying don't get marketing involved. We're just saying don't let marketing lead. Yeah, yeah. It, it's fundamental. I mean, the CEO must lead and everybody else should implement. To use the old cliche, if you prepare to lead with marketing, you prepare to fail. So, for instance, I took a call from a, a CMO on his way out the door, uh, sight unseen. I asked him what was the reason. He didn't know the reason and the CEO didn't reveal the reason. But the reason was that whilst very good at taking orders and being very functional about marketing, it wasn't really moving the needle, wasn't really creating the category supporting the big change that the company needs to make. And Americans are very, very harsh. You know, if, um, if they think that uh, you're not the right person for the job, then uh, there's a door and a box. And unfortunately, that is something that in marketing you, you get used to. And as a CEO, you've got to try and guard against. You need to be the person leading the category. The reality is only CEOs have the gravitas and influence with all necessary stakeholders to deliver what must be a strategic category design program. So there you have it. CEOs, category is yours. What does the future hold? Let's look into our crystal ball. So, Paul, what do you see in your crystal ball today? Well... Free-to-air BBC is going to disappear. 
Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, the freemium model that has been based on what we've got today here in the UK, which is, you know, some of us pay into it. Most of the uh, young people in this country do not pay into a tax to watch linear television, which clearly nobody's doing very much anymore. So you know, why would we do that when there's a very successful model uh, with, you know, billions of people watching this around the world, which is number one, paid for, number two, streaming, watch as much as you want when you want. It's just like an unfair fight. It's a little bit like that's the difference between you know, radio, which was fabulous for years, and podcasts. Obviously, people like to listen to what they want to listen to, not what's dictated for them to listen to when they want to listen to it. It's a no-brainer. So you don't think it's, it's any good trying to make their license fee look better? I just cannot think of another version of a uh, product that you must, by law, and you can go to jail if you don't, pay for, which you may or may not consume. Maybe the closest thing you can think of is for childless couples, some sort of tax on pregnancy. Well, I guess that's the NHS. That's a matter for another conversation. But content, it just wants to be free. Um, people want to consume content and everything from Twitter to Facebook. They want it to be free. And I know there's the cliche of if it's free, you're the product. But I just don't see how the free-to-air model is going to continue. Now, freemium, where it's more like, you know, there's a version that's free and you pay for what you want. Yes, I can see that. And that sort of exists a little bit overseas. Uh, you pay for it with advertising, which we which we don't have too much of over here. But the UK free-to-air BBC, I honestly think it's not long for this life. So you think that, um, it sounds like to me, you think that the BBC is in some sort of category of one and everybody's moved the category? I think it's in a bunch of categories it doesn't need to be into, to be honest. I mean, you know, it does everything from local radio to massive global events. Uh, it has a world service which broadcasts in many different languages across the world. And somehow it wants us, all of us who currently consume you know, streaming video and streaming content, it wants the rest of us to pay for it. And that's just untenable. I think. There's a big category rematch, and I think it really needs to have a think for itself. Good. So um, about time we um, got rid of those Rethian principles of uh, educate, entertain, and inform them. It's time to have a massive rethink about what the BBC is, and certainly the licence fees. Gone, baby. Hope this is helping you design your category. For more information, go to becategorical.com, where you'll find downloadable resources. Thanks for listening, and keep different.